here at Cannes, we like to focus on open and inclusive dialogue. For people who are interested in our previous shows, you can find our free archives at Spreaker.com, at the Cannes Project podcast on Spreaker.com, or you can also find ad-free content on Patreon.com. For as little as one euro a month, plus fat, you can help contribute. We do need help, so check us out on either Patreon or Spreaker.com. Are you an artist or creator with a social conscience? Do you have an inspiring story or material to share that's helpful to people? Are you an expert on culture, arts, nature or wellness? If this sounds like you or someone you know, we'd love to hear from you at Can Projects, where we advocate that active engagement in positive and creative outlets is beneficial to our health and environment. Our talk show Can Projects podcast reaches 20 plus online platforms and features insightful, inspiring and expert guests. You can check out the show on our free archives on Spreaker.com and YouTube. We'd love to hear from you, so please feel very welcome to email us at canprojects.info at gmail.com. Help each other. Help us all. And you're all very welcome to the Can Projects podcast, where we love to talk about culture, arts, nature and wellness. And today we have some literature with classic readings by Chris Sneed on part six of The Wind and the Willows. Hello and welcome back for the sixth part of Kenneth Graham's The Wind and the Willows. So I'll just start off without much further ado. I'm frightfully hungry, and I've got any amount to say to Ratty here. Haven't seen him for an age. So the good-natured mole, having cut some slices of ham, set the hedgehogs to fry it, and returned to his own breakfast, while the otter and the rat, their heads together, eagerly talked river shop, which is long shop, and talk that is endlessly running on, like the babbling river itself. A plate of fried ham had just been cleared and sent back for more when the badger entered, yawning and rubbing his eyes, and greeted them all in his quiet, simple way, with kind inquiries for everyone. It must be getting on for luncheon time, he remarked to the otter. Better stop and have it with us. You must be hungry this cold morning. Rather, replied the otter, winking at them all. The sight of these greedy young hedgehogs stuffing themselves with fried ham makes me feel positively famished. The hedgehogs, who were just beginning to feel hungry again after their porridge, and after working so hard at their frying, looked timidly up at Mr. Badger. But they were too shy to say anything. Here you two youngsters, be off home to your mother, said the badger kindly. I'll send someone with you to show you the way. You won't want any dinner today, I'll be bound. He gave them sixpence apiece and a pat on the head. They went off with much respectful swinging of caps and touching of forelocks. Presently they all sat down to luncheon together. The mole found himself placed next to Mr. Badger, and as the other two were still deep in river gossip, from which nothing could divert them, he took the opportunity to tell Badger how comfortable and homelike it all felt to him. Once, well, underground, he said, You know exactly where you are. Nothing can happen to you and nothing can get at you. You're entirely your own master 
and you don't have to consult anybody or mind what they say. Things go on all the same overhead and you let them and don't bother about them. When you want to go up, you go up and then things are waiting for you. The badger simply beamed on him. That's exactly what I say, he replied. There's no security or peace or tranquility except underground. And then if your ideas get larger and you want to expand, why dig and scrape? And there you are. If you find your house is a bit too big, you stop up a hole or two and there you are again. No builders, no tradesmen, no remarks passed on you by fellows looking over your wall. And above all, no weather. Look at Rat now, a couple of feet of flood water and he's got to move into hired lodgings. Uncomfortable, inconveniently situated and horribly expensive. Take Toad, I say nothing against Toad Hall. Quite the best house in these parts as a house. But supposing a fire breaks out, where's Toad? Supposing tiles are blown off or walls sink or crack or windows get broken, where's Toad? Supposing the rooms are drafty, I hate a draft myself. Where's Toad? Now up and out of doors is good enough to roam about and get one's living in, but underground to come to at last. That's my idea of home. The mole assented heartily, and the badger in consequence got very friendly with him. When lunch is over, he said, I'll take you all round this little place of mine. I can see you'll appreciate it. You'll understand what domestic architecture ought to be. You do? After luncheon, accordingly, when the, two, the other two had settled themselves into the chimney corner and had started a heated argument on the subject of eels, the badger lighted a lantern and bade the mole to follow him. Crossing the hall, they passed down one of the principal tunnels and the wavering light of the lantern gave glimpses on either side of rooms both large and small, some mere cupboards, others nearly as broad and imposing as Toad's dining hall. A narrow passage at right angles led them into another corridor, and here the same thing was repeated. The mole staggered at the size, the extent, the ramifications of it all. At the length of the dim passages, the solid vaultings of the cramped store chambers, the masonry everywhere, the pillars, the arches, the pavements. How on earth, Badger, he said at last, do you ever find time and strength to do all this? It's astounding. It would be astonishing indeed, said the badger simply, if I had done it, but as a matter of fact, I did, I did none of it, only cleaned out the passages and chambers as far as I need of them. There's lots more of it all around about. I see you don't understand, and I must explain it to you. Well, very long ago, on the spot where the wild wood waves now, before ever it had planted itself and grown up to what it is now, there was a city, a city of people, you know. Here where we are standing, they lived and walked and talked and slept and carried on their business. Here they stabled their horses and feasted. From here they rode out to fight or drove out to trade. They were powerful people and rich and great builders. They built to last, for they thought their city would last forever. But what has become of them all? asked the mole. Who can tell? said the badger. People come, they stay for a while, they flourish, they build, and they go. It's in their way, but we remain. There were badgers here, I've been told, long before that same city ever came to be. And now there are badgers here again, 
we are an enduring lot and we move may move out for a time but we wait and are patient and back we come and so it will ever be well and when they went at last these people said the mole when they went continued the badger the strong winds and persistent rains took the matter in hand presently patiently ceaselessly year after year perhaps we badgers too in our own small way helped little you know who knows it was all down 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 gradually ruin and leveling and disappearance then it was all up 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 gradually as seeds grew to saplings and saplings to forest trees and bramble and fern came creeping in to help leaf mold rose and obliterated streams in the winter brought sand and soil to clog and to cover and in the course of time our home was ready for us again and we moved in up above us on the surface the same thing happened animals arrived liked the look of the place took up their quarters and settled down spread and flourished they didn't bother themselves about the past they never do they're too busy the place was a bit humpy and hillocky naturally and full of holes but that was rather an advantage and they don't bother about the future either the future when perhaps the people will move in again for a time as may very well be the wild woods is pretty well populated by now with all the usual lot good bad and indifferent I name no names, it takes all sorts to make a world. But I fancy you know something about them by yourself by this time. I do indeed, said the mole, with a slight shiver. Well, well, said the badger, patting him on the shoulder. It was your first experience of them, you see. They're not so bad, really, and we must all live and let live. But I'll pass the word round tomorrow, and I think you'll have no further trouble. Any friend of mine walks where he likes in this country or all know the reason why. When they got back to the kitchen again, they found Rat walking up and down very restless. The underground atmosphere was oppressing him and getting on his nerves, and he seemed really to be afraid that the river would run away if he wasn't there to look after it. So he had his overcoat on and his pistols thrust into his belt again. Come along, Mole, he said anxiously, as soon as he caught sight of them. We must get off while it's daylight. Don't want to spend another night in the wild wood again. It'll be all right, my fine fellow, said the otter. I'm coming along with you, and I know every path blindfold. And if there's a head that needs to be punched, you can confidently rely upon me to punch it. You needn't fret, Ratty, added the badger placidly. My passages run further than you think, and I've bolt holes to the edge of the wood in several directions. Though I don't care for anybody to know about them. When you really have to go, you should leave by one of my shortcuts. Meantime, make yourself easy and sit down. The rat was nevertheless still anxious to be off, to attend to his river. So the badger, taking up his lantern again, led the way along a damp and airless tunnel that wound and dipped, part vaulted, part hewn through solid rock for a weary distance that seemed to be miles. At last daylight began to show itself confusedly through tangled growth, overhanging the mouth of a passage. And the badger, bidding them a hasty goodbye, pushed them hurriedly through the opening and made everything to look as natural as possible again, with creepers, brushwood and dead leaves, and then he retreated. 
They found themselves standing at the very edge of the wild wood, rocks and brambles and tree roots behind them, confusedly heaped and tangled in front. A great space of quiet fields hemmed by lines of hedges, black on the snow, and far ahead a glint of the familiar old river, while the wintry sun hung red and low on the horizon. The otter, as knowing all the paths, took charge of the party, and they trailed out in a beeline for a distant stile. Pausing there a moment and looking back, they saw the whole mass of the wild wood, dense, menacing, compact, grimly set in the vast white surroundings. Simultaneously they turned and made swiftly for home, for firelight and the familiar things it played on, for the voice sounding cheerily outside of their window, of the river that they knew and trusted in all its moods, that never made them afraid with any amazement. As he hurried along, eagerly anticipating the moment when he would be at home again, among the things he knew and liked, the mole saw clearly that he was an animal of tilled field and hedgerow, linked to the ploughed furrow, the frequented pasture, the lane of evening lingerings, the cultivated garden plot. For others, the asperities, the stubborn endurance, or the clash of actual conflict, that went with nature in the rough. He must be wise, must keep to the pleasant places in which his lines were laid, and which held adventure enough, in their way, to last for a lifetime. Chapter 5 Dulce Domum The sheep ran huddling together against the hurdles, blowing out tin nostrils and stamping with delicate forefeet, their heads thrown back, and light steam raising from the crowded sheep pen into the frosty air, as the two animals hastened by in high spirits. With much chatter and laughter, they were returning cross-country after a long day's outing with Otter, hunting and exploring on the wide uplands, where certain stream tributaries to their own river had their first small beginnings, and the shades of the short winter day were closing in on them. They had still some distance to go, plodding at random across the plough, they had heard the sheep and had made for them, and now leading from the sheep pen, they found a beaten track that made walking a lighter business, and responded, moreover, to that small inquiring something which all animals carry inside them, saying unmistakably, Yes, quite right, this leads home. It looks as if we're coming to a village, said the mole, somewhat dubiously, slackening his pace as the track that had in time become a path, and then had developed into a lane, now handed them over to the charge of a well-metalled road. The animals did not hold with villages, and their own highways, thickly frequented as they were, took an independent course, regardless of church, post office or public house. We'll be back with more from the Calm Projects podcast after these short messages. Here at Can, we like to focus on open and inclusive dialogue, and sometimes a bit of literature as well. So, Chris, we're going to we're we're opening up a new chapter in the readings, the classic stories for Chris Needs. Yeah, we're going to be starting on the Time Machine, which is a classic, classic H.G. Wells novel. It's a classic for a reason as well, because it's really, really good. I love it. It's been made into a film a few times, and uh, sometimes musicals, audio dramas. Chris Need classic readings. 
Football is back, and BetMGM is inviting new customers to join the huddle and enjoy the action like never before. Sign up today using bonus code CHAMPION, and your first wager is risk-free up to $1,000. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. Virginia only. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-888-532-3500. How should you plan for when your home becomes too small? Or when the next one gets too big? At Sandy Spring Bank, we're here to help create personalized solutions for financing your home loan. Whether it's a new home or refinance, renovation or addition, fixer-upper or new build. Banking is a conversation. Let's talk about your mortgage. Visit sandyspringbank.com mortgage. Mortgage home equity and other credit products offered by Sandy Spring Bank, equal housing lender. My sound man, Shane McKay, has his business called MacSoundServices.com. That's M-A-C-K, SoundServices.com. What he does for me is I send him my shows, and he, he does audio enhancements and stuff like that. He does miracles if you see some of the stuff I send him and how it comes back. So get a hold of Shane at MacSoundServices.com, M-A-C-K, SoundServices.com. You're all very welcome back to the Can Projects podcast. It looks as if we're coming to a village, said the mole, somewhat dubiously, slackening his pace as the track that had in time become a path, and then had developed into a lane, now handed them over to the charge of a well-metalled road. The animals did not hold with villages and their own highways, thickly frequented as they were, took an independent course, regardless of church, post office or public house. Oh, never mind, said the rat. At this season of the year, they're all safe indoors by this time. Sitting round the fire, men, women, children, dogs, cats and all. We shall slip through all right, without any bother or unpleasantness. We can have a look at them through their windows, if you like, and see what they're doing. The rapid nightfall of mid-December had quite beset the little village as they approached it on soft feet over a first tin fall of powdery slow. Little was visible but squares of dusky orange-red on either side of the street, where the firelight or lamplight of each cottage overflowed through the casements into the dark world without. Most of the low latticed windows were innocent of blinds, and to the lookers in from outside, the inmates gathered round the tea table, absorbed in handiwork, or talking with laughter and gesture, had each that happy grace which is the last thing the skilled actor shall capture, the natural grace which goes with perfect unconsciousness of observation. Moving at will from one theatre to another, the two spectators, so far from home themselves, had something of wistfulness in their eyes, as they watched a cat being stroked, a sleepy child picked up and huddled off to bed or a tired man stretch and knock out his pipe at the end of a smouldering log. But it was from one little window, with its blinds drawn down, a mere blank transparency on the night, that the sense of home and little curtained world within walls, the larger stressful world of outside, nature shut out and forgotten, most pulsated. Close against the white blind hung a birdcage, clearly silhouetted every wire, perch and apertures, distinct and recognisable, 
even to yesterday's dull-edged lump of sugar. On the middle perch, the fluffy occupant had tucked well into his feathers, seemed so near to them as that they could easily stroke him, had they tried. Even the delicate tips of his plumped-out plumage penciled plainly on the illuminated screen. As they looked, the sleepy little fellow stirred uneasily, woke, shook himself, and raised his head. They could see the gape of his tiny beak as he yawned in a bored sort of way, looked round and then settled his head into his back again, while the ruffled feathers gradually subsided into perfect stillness. Then a gust of bitter wind took them in the back of the neck. A small string of frozen sleet on the skin woke them as from a dream, and they knew their toes to be cold and their legs tired, and their own home a distant, weary way away. Once beyond the village where the cottages ceased abruptly on either side of the road, they could smell through the darkness the friendly fields again, and they braced themselves for the last long stretch, the home stretch, the stretch that we know is bound to end sometime in the rattle of a door latch, the sudden firelight, and the sight of familiar things greeting us as long absent travellers from far oversea. They plodded along steadily and silently, each of them thinking his own thoughts. The moles ran a good deal on supper, as it was pitch dark, and it was all a strange country to him, as far as he knew, and he was following obediently in the wake of rats, leaving the guidance entirely to him. As for the rats, he was walking a little way ahead, as his habit was, his shoulders humped, his eyes fixed on the straight grey road in front of him, so he did not notice poor Mole when suddenly the summons reached him and took him like an electric shock. We others, who have long lost the more subtle of the physical senses, have not even proper terms to express an animal's inner communications with his surroundings, living or otherwise, and have only the word smell, for instance, to include the whole range of the delicate trills which murmur in the nose of an animal night and day, summoning, warning, inciting, repelling, it was one of these mysterious fairy calls from out the void that suddenly reached Mole in the darkness, making him tingle true and true with his very familiar appeal. Even while as yet he could not clearly remember what it was, he stopped dead in his tracks, his nose searching hither and thither in its efforts to recapture the fine filament, the telegraphic current that had so strongly moved him. A moment and he had caught it again, and with it this time came recollection in fullest flood. Home. That was what they meant. Those caressing appeals, those soft touches wafted through the air, those invisible little hands pulling and tugging all one way. Why, it must be quite close by him at the moment, his old home, that he had hurriedly forsaken and never sought again, that day when he first found the river. And now it was sending out its scouts, its messengers to capture him and bring him in. Since his escape on that bright morning, he had hardly given it a thought, so absorbed had he been in his new life, in all its pleasures, its surprises, fresh and captivating experiences. Now with a rush of old memories, how clearly it stood up before him in the darkness, shabby indeed, and small and poorly furnished, and yet his, the home he had made for himself, the home he had been so happy to get back to after his day's work, 
and the home had been happy with him too, evidently, and was missing him, and wanted him back, and was telling him so, through his nose, sorrowfully, reproachfully, but with no bitterness or anger, only with plaintive reminder that it was there and it wanted him. The call was clear, the summons was plain. He must obey it instantly and go. Ratty, he called out, full of joyful excitement. Hold on, come back, I want you quick. Oh, come, long mole, do, replied the rat cheerfully, still plodding along. Please, Ratty, stop, pleaded the poor mole, in anguish of the heart. You don't understand, it's my home, it's my old home. I've just come across the smell of it, and it's close by here, really quite close. And I must go to it, I must, I must. Oh, come back, Ratty, please come back. The rat by this time was very far ahead. Too far to hear clearly what the mole was calling, too far to catch the sharp note of painful appeal in his voice. And he was much taken up with the weather, for he too could smell something, something suspiciously like approaching snow. Mole, we mustn't stop now, really, he called back. We'll come for it tomorrow, whatever you found. But I daren't stop now, it's late, and the snow is coming on again, and I'm not sure of the way, and I want your nose, Mole. So come on quick, there's a good fellow. And the rat pressed forward on his way without waiting for an answer. Poor Mole stood alone in the road, his heart torn asunder. And a big sob gathering, gathering somewhere low down inside him, to leap up to the surface presently, he knew in passionate escape. But even under such a test as this, his loyalty to his friend stood firm. Never for a moment did he dream of abandoning him. Meanwhile, the wafts from his old home pleaded, whispered, conjured, and finally claimed him imperiously. He dared not tarry any longer within their magic circle. With a wrench that tore his very heartstrings, he set his face down the road and followed submissively in the track of the rat, while faint tin little smells, still dogging his retreating nose, reproached him for his new friendship and his callous forgetfulness. With an effort, he caught up on the unsuspecting rat, who began chattering cheerfully about what they would do when they got back, and how jolly a fire of logs in the parlour would be, and what a supper he meant to eat, never noticing his companion's silence and distressful state of mind. At last, however, when they'd gone some considerable way further, and were passing some tree stumps at the end of a copse that bordered the road, he stopped and said kindly, Look here, mole, old chap, you seem dead tired, no talk left in you, and your feet dragging like lead. We'll sit down here for a minute and rest. The snow's held off so far, and the best part of our journey is over. The mole subsided forlornly onto a tree stump and tried to control himself, for he felt it surely coming. The sob he had fought with so long refused to be beaten. Up and up it forced its way into the air, and then another, and another, others thick and fast, till poor Mole at last gave up the struggle and cried freely and helplessly and openly. Now that he knew it was all over, and he had lost what he could hardly be said to have found, the rat, astonished and dismayed at the violence of the Mole's paroxysm of grief, did not dare speak for a while. At last he said, very quietly and sympathetically, What is it, old fellow? What can the matter be? Tell us your trouble and let me see what I can do. 
poor Mole found it difficult to get any words out between the upheavals of his chest that followed one upon another so quickly and held back speech and choked it as it came. I, I know it's a shab, shabby, dingy little place, he sobbed forth at last, brokenly. N- n- not like your cosy quarters or Toad's beautiful hall or, or, or Badger's great house, but it was my own little home and, 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 and I was fond of it. And I went away and forgot all about it. And then I smelt it suddenly on the road when I called to you and you wouldn't listen, Rat. And everything came back to me with a rush and I wanted it. Oh dear, oh dear. And when you wouldn't turn back, Ratty, and I had to leave it, though I was smelling it all the time, I thought I thought my heart would break. We must have just gone and had one look at it, Ratty. Only one look. It was, it was close by. But you wouldn't turn back, Ratty. And you wouldn't turn back. Oh dear, oh dear. Recollection brought fresh waves of sorrow and sobs again took full charge of him, preventing further speech. The rat stared straight in front of him, saying nothing, only patting Mole gently on the shoulder. After a time, he muttered gloomily, I see it all now. What a pig I've been. A pig, that's me, just a pig, a plain pig. He, w- he waited till Mole's sobs became gradually less stormy and more rhythmical. He waited till at last the sniffs were frequent and the sobs only intermittent. Then he rose from his seat and remarked carelessly, Well, now, we'd really better be getting on, old chap. They set off up the road again, over the toilsome way they had come. Where are you going, Ratty? cried a tearful mole, looking up in alarm. We're going to find that old home of yours, old fellow, replied the rat pleasantly. So you'd better come along, for it will take some finding, and we shall want your nose. Oh, oh, Ratty, come back, Ratty do, cried the mole, getting up and hurrying after him. It's no good, I tell you, it's too late and too dark and the place is too far off and and the snow's coming and and, and, and I never meant to let you know I was feeling that way about it. It, it, it was all an accident and a mistake. And think, think of the riverbank and your supper. Hang the riverbank and supper too, said the rat heartily. I tell you, I'm going to find this place now, if I stay out all night, so cheer up, old chap, and take my arm, and we'll very soon be back there again. Next part of Wind and the Willows will be out next week. And the Khan Project's email is... Khanprojects.info at gmail.com And you'll find a link to the Khan Project's website in the description. All the best. Projects Culture, Arts, Nature and Wellness is an outreach project advocating that active engagement in positive and creative outlets is beneficial to our health and our environment. If you'd like to contact CAN Projects, you can email us at canprojects.info at gmail.com 
and the link to our website is in the description. Are you super interested in shiz calling and get totally excited by pyramid programs? Do you feel ready to give your money to a faceless stranger on a pinky promise of endless returns? Then this is not the podcast for you. T's and C's don't apply because shiz coins aren't real. <laughs>